Parshat Tzaveh is very well known uh, for what it doesn't have. Uh, famously, the name Moshe does not appear anywhere in Parshat Tzaveh. And there's a uh, sort of a Agadah of sorts that says, when Moshe said, he said to Hashem, if you don't forgive the people, erase me from your book, that that's an allusion to Parshat Tzaveh. Now, as we saw in our dive sheer about Parshat Shavua and the whole system of the Parashot, uh, we saw that in, in some communities, and at some times, Tetzavah was never read independently. Do you remember how we saw that, that there was always, um, there was always the, uh, attempt to have, um, you know, the way that the parashiot were divided up in order to align them with the seasons. But it doesn't matter. It's a nice idea. Uh, it of course isn't very meaningful textually because this entire piece, Vyatat Tetzavah starts, in Perak Chafei, which is Vaidaber Adonai Moshalimor, Daber Yisrael Vikhuli Truma, and from there on in, it is make this and make this and make this and make that and make that. And here's how you make this. Here's how you make that. And in the middle of that, meaning halfway through, we get to this particular passage. These are the two psukim that begin our parasha, and these two psukim, which are source one. Um, stick out a little bit like a sore thumb. They stick out like a sore thumb, first of all, just as a bal kriyat, because you end Parshat Truma um, with the pasuk before this, verse 19, which describes the chatzer, the courtyard of the Mishkan, and the curtains that are hung up, etc., and the size of it. And then you open this up, and you've got two psukim that comprise a parsha by themselves, and then you're off to the races, but it's not just graphically, it's also thematically. The whole chapter 28, which is what follows this, is about the clothes of the Kohanim. And how you make, what, what are the clothes, and how you make the clothes, what's supposed to be on the clothes, etc. And these two psukim seem to be just plugged in out of nowhere. And our focus in this year is going to be on these two psukim. The first two psukim, Parshat Tzavah, which again... As far as the, the the flow of the text seemed to be in the wrong place, but there's bigger problems. Let's take a look at the psukim and we'll see what the problems are. First of all, the atatzavet bnei Yisrael. So Hashem is speaking to Moshe. You command bnei Yisrael, the chu elacha shemen zayit zach katit lamaor. Take very fine ground oil, olive oil, for a light. Lahalot ner tamid. Right to put a ner on that will be there tamid. By the way, the word ner tamid is a is a mis is a bad syntax or a misparsing of the pasuk. There is no ner tamid anywhere. There's lalot ner tamid to have a ner go up and it should be tamid. Tamid, by the way, is the watchword of the mishkan. The lechem apanim is lefanai tamid. The menorah is tamid. The korban is korban tamid. All right, uh, the, uh, you know, every, almost every component of the Mishkan has this notion of Tmidiyut, which may not mean 24 7, 365, 120. It may just mean no day without it, no hour without it, et cetera. All right, here it's no night without it. However, you'll notice that the command is you command Bnei Israel to bring to you. Now, this is dissimilar from everything that we saw till now where it was, Bnei Yisrael are supposed to provide materials, and then make an Aron, make Krashim, make the Mishkan, etc. And no point is Bnei Yisrael in, in, invoked as being the ones who are going to contribute in that way. They contribute the materials, and then there's artisans. 
And now B'nai Israel have to bring you oil, which, by the way, is also repetitive because back down in um, uh, in Parakhafe, in the beginning of Truma, it says everybody is supposed to give a gift, and one of the gifts is Shemel uh, Maor, is oil for the candelabrum. So this seems to be repetitive also. There's more to it. The Ohel Moed, right, which is the the Mishkan, Michutz la Parochet Asher al Ha'edut. There's something very strange about that phrase, which is why I highlighted it. Outside of the Parochet, and we're going to talk geography in a minute, or should we say location, which is over the Edut. Aaron should set up this light. Aaron or his son should set it up, evening till morning. It is a law forever from B'nai Israel. So the first thing that sticks out is B'nai Israel, who were kind of absent from the narrative before, are suddenly here twice. And then at the end of it, it's made B'nai Israel, and it's one pasuk later. So it's like this emphasis on B'nai Israel's participation in this. That's A. But look at the pasuk and please tell me, where is this light going? Where is this light? They're bringing oil for a light. The light's supposed to be always going. Where's supposed? Where's the light supposed to be? So here's where we run into a problem. The problem that I've met, I mentioned numerous times in our shiurim is we know way too much. I know it's something my students are always surprised when they hear that, but we know way too much because if I was to ask somebody, where is this uh, light supposed to go? What would your answer be? Your answer and would, you would, and where? Where would the oil go into what? You would assume the menorah. I don't know. That's what I would have assumed. The menorah, right? The only problem is it doesn't say that. What does it say here? Where do you put it? You put it outside of the parochet. Why why not say just Bamanorah? Alha Menorah Torah. And then the Parochet is described here as Asher Al Ha'idut. Now, what is the Parochet? Let's get the geography down now, the placement. Where is the Parochet? The Parochet is a curtain which divides between what? Kodesh Kedoshim. Between the Kodesh Kedoshim and the Kodesh. There's one Parochet, that's it. There are other curtains that for the entrance of the Mishkan, a parochet is the parochet. We already know what the parochet is. It's already detailed earlier on in uh, in this, at the very beginning of this same chapter. Is it two curtains next no, to each other? Right, is it one? Jamie, question is, Rabbi Yossi versus Chachamim, okay. right? But one way or the other, it's parochet. But it's one unit, one thing. So now, why mention that the light is Michutz the parochet? Why not mention it's in the Menorah? And the second thing is, why is the parochet defined here as asher al ha'idut? Now, first of all, what does the words mean? The words mean that the parochet is juxtaposed to the testimony. What's the testimony? The testimony means the aron that has inside of it the luchot that are the edut of Mamar Har Sinai. And that's why God says, you're going to put into the Aron the testimony that I'm going to give you, which is the tablets. Okay, so we got it all. We understand all of that. And everything here makes sense, but we don't understand why it's described that way. Why didn't you say, That's all you need. 
So we have essentially two questions here. One is the red, one is the blue. I'm not taking any political sides on this. One is the emphasis on B'nai Israel, who were kind of gone suddenly, are mentioned twice here. And the second thing is, why is the location of this light not what we would expect? Just tell me, it goes in the menorah. That's it. So let's roll back. We, we took a look at Parshat Truma, which we read last week. And we see this is a kind of, we're skipping a lot, the sections in Parshat Truma. How does Parshat Truma start? start it starts with Mikhuli Truma, and then Asheyid Venulibo. Every person has to give what their heart moves them to give. This is not the Machsira Shekel. This is the donation that is the free will donation, an open ended donation. Tikhur Trumati. Right? That's what you're going to take from B'nai Israel, a gift that goes up to God. And then there's a list of all the materials, the gold and the silver, the purple wool and the blue wool, etc. Okay. Then the next thing that we're told is that you make an Aron, and then you make a, uh, a Shulchan, and then you make a Menorah. So these things are all listed out. However, here's the problem. Once the, so once the Menorah has already been identified and listed here, so why isn't that the natural thing to state here when we're given the command of the oil to put it in the menorah? It would make a lot of sense. <clears throat> As we roll further, we see something else about the parochet, because the parochet is going to play a central role in understanding what's going on here. And you see the description of the parochet, and you're right, the parochet, whether in Bayit Sheni it was two of them, but the parochet is what divides between the Kodesh and Kodesh, Kodesh Kodashim. Let's take a look at the parochet. So we're familiar with these materials. We've heard of these materials well, from the donation. We'll see these materials later in the Big Day Kuna. It's supposed to be the purple wool and the blue wool and the red and linen woven together. The parochet has to have an image on it. And what is the image? It's the image of the kruvim. Which means if you are in the Kodesh and you're looking towards the Kodesh Kodoshim, you see a curtain, and on the curtain you see an image of the Kruvim. It's not see-through to the Kruvim that's inside, it's woven in, woven in to the, to the parochet. Okay? Jason, you had a question. I was just going to say, is the Mishkan different than the Ohel Noed in terms no, of... No, same thing. Same thing, okay. Yeah. Ohel Noed means the tent of meeting, right? Which we're going to get to, actually. So the parochet is going to stand on four pillars of acacia wood. Gold, like everything else. And again, they're on four sockets of silver, just like the crushing. Okay. The parochet is going to be underneath the rings, the golden rings, that hold together the various uh, strips of material of the mishkan, of the tent. And then what are you going to do? You're going to bring in inside the parochet the Aron Haidut. The parochet will then divide between the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim. And by the way, how do we define Kodesh? When we say Kodesh, what does that mean? Not Kadosh, the adjective, but Kodesh, the noun. But what does it mean? The whole structure? What, is the, what does the word mean here? Ben Yaakodesh, Ben Kodesh HaKodashim. I thought the, I meant not 
the structure. I thought that's the part outside the, the Kodesh Kodeshim. The yeah, but now you're defining it via negativa. You're defining Kodesh by what it's not. What, what, what about what it is? Holy, it's a holy area. It's a holy area. Thank you. So now, what's Kodesh Kodeshim? A holier area. Okay, except maybe Kodesh Kodeshim doesn't refer to an area. Maybe Kodesh Kodeshim refers to an Aron. That the Aron, which is Kodesh HaKodashim, it is the holy thing of all the holy things, is what the Parochet is there to divide. The Parochet is there to block off the Aron and keep it from sight. The Aron, Kaporet, Kruvim, the whole structure from sight. Perhaps. Either <clears throat> way. V'natatata Kaporet, al Aron Ha'idut. Now notice the command. You're going to put the Kaporet, which is the cover, on top of the Aron, Right, and now it's defined as an area. Notice what's described. You're gonna, and by the way, none of the items in the Mishkan were yet defined location-wise where they're supposed to be. The Aron is where the Shochan is, where the Menorah is, where the Mizbachas are. We don't know where any Mizbachas are. Is we're never told where they're supposed to be till now. Only when the Parochet is commanded, suddenly everything gets a place. And that is, the Aron goes inside, and outside of the Parochet goes the Shulchan. And the Menorah faces the Shulchan on the south side. The north side is the Shulchan, south side is the Menorah. And then there's a curtain, which is at the doorway of the Mishkan itself. Not a Parochet, Masach. Okay. But I'm confused so, on something. So two things I want to ask about this is, why are there kruvim on the parochet? And the second thing is, why is the shochan defined this way? Why do we say, put the shochan in the Kodesh on the north side? Put the menorah facing it on the south side. Why is it defined as bichutz parochet? It's almost as if the parochet is defined the location. Not that everything is defined in relation to the parochet, that's true. It's like the parocha generates the location. That's strange. Okay. So let's start by asking this question. Actually, let's take a look at one more thing, which is at the end of Sefer Shemot, which is the culmination of everything. Remember, Trumat and the beginning of Kitisar are the commands regarding the Mishkan. Vayakel Pkudei is the fulfillment of that command. And at the end of Pekudei, there's very ceremonious uh, psukim, which describe Moshe putting everything in its place. Now watch the description. So he puts the luchot in the aron. Moshe put the luchot in the aron. He put the staves on the aron. Then he put the kapor on top, in the mala. But the uh, kapor, of course, has kruvim coming out of it. So he puts the aron in and immediately puts the parochet up. And it covered the aron, meaning blocked off. And then, again, the shochan is defined again by being mechutz la parochet. Why? They put the bread on it. And then they put the menorah in and put the nerot there. 
And then and again, in front of the parochet is the Mizbah Hazav. This constant reference point of the, of the parochet. So I'm going to take a look at one more thing that's odd, and then we'll get start talking about an explanation. We're already commanded in Truma to build a menorah, to construct the menorah. Then at the beginning of our parasha, we're suddenly instructed that Bnei Yisrael should bring oil, and it should be placed michutz parochet. We're not told where it is michutz parochet. We're not told how many there are. All we're told is it has to go from night to morning. And the parochet here is somehow defined, a parochet asher al Strange. You roll ahead to Parshat Emor. After the famous Parshat Amoadim, you get to this passage immediately after Parshat Amoadim. By the Didn't we hear this already? It's exactly the beginning of our Parsha. Tell B'nai Israel to bring you finely ground olive oil, lahalot ner tamid, again, to have a ner go up always. Michutz the farochet ha'idut. That's a phrase doesn't show up anywhere else. Parochet ha'idut. And I'll show you below, and on the source sheet, it, they're almost the same thing as the beginning of our parasha. It should go on the menorah Torah. And then afterwards, we have the laws of the Lechem Apanim, right? And then again, by the way, in Bamidbar, for the fourth time, we have the command, which is the beginning of Balotcha. So we now have multiple questions, which are, first of all, why so many different commands regarding the menorah? Second of all, why the double command of B'nai Yisrael offering the oil for the Shemin? The oil for the Shemin or for the menorah. And then the whole emphasis here consistently on it being outside of the parochet. So here, look at a comparison between the beginning of our parasha and the parasha in Emor. Savet b'nei Yisrael, tetzavet b'nei Yisrael. No different. V'ikhoi lach Hashem en zayit zach katit l'ma'or. Exact same words. L'alot ner tamid. Exact same words. The green is exactly alike. Sav versus tetzavet. Not a big difference. In Shmot, Be'ol Mo'ed, Michutz La'parochat Asher Al-Ayidut, and here it's Michutz La'parochat Ayidut, Be'ol Mo'ed. Same thing, just the words have moved around. Ya'aroch O'Toro, Mi'arvat Bokad, Fne'adunai, Tamid. Okay, and in Shmot, the word Tamid is left off. Chukat Olam L'Dorotam, and in Ra'ikra, Chukat Olam L'Dorotechem. Again, I'm not blown away by any differences. However, the last pasuk in Vayikra adds something that I don't have. Al haMenorah Torah Yerochotan Erot Lifnei Adonai Tamid. That doesn't appear in Tetzaveh. In Parsha Tetzaveh, in our two pasukim, as I said, there's no mention of where you put these Nerot, where you put this oil. It just says the oil should be outside of the parochet, evening until morning. That's it. Very odd. So I want to go back and ask a very broad question. What is the purpose of the Mishkan? Why a Mishkan? So 
many times I've shared with you that I think the best answer to any question is everybody. It depends. It depends. Exactly. It depends from what perspective. What is the purpose of the Mishkan from the perspective of Sefer Shmot? And what is the perspective of the Mishkan from the perspective of Sefer Vayikra? Well, the answers actually are pretty clear. In Sefer Shmot, here's the beginning of the, of the description of the Mishkan. Everybody should bring donations, right? And what's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of the Mishkan from the perspective of Sefer Shmot? To make a dwelling place for God that God should reside among B'nai Israel. But it's more than that. Because what is the centerpiece of the Mishkan? Without a doubt. What is the most central and, and core component of the Mishkan? The Aron. The Aron. And what does Hashem say about the Aron? The Aron, Kaporet on top, Kruvim coming out of there, and I am going to meet with you from between the Kruvim, and I will continue to give you mitzvot. And this is the famous Ramban in his introduction to Parshat Truma, where he says that the Mishkan was essentially a continuation of Mamad Arsinai. And the Ramban goes through in details all the components that are in the Kodesh and compares them to the events, the, the light show and the, the audio-visual experience of Arsinai, and shows how they're connected. From the perspective of Sefer Shmot, the pur- purpose is for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be manifest among B'nai Israel and continue to give mitzvot from perspective. And the first set of mitzvot that he gives are Sefer Vayikra. How's Vayikra start? Vayikra Moshe, Vayikra Adonai Elav, Me'ohel 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 From the perspective of Sefer Vayikra, what is the purpose of the Mishkan? Stated, what's the purpose of the Mishkan in Vayikra? Korbanot. Korbanot. Now, and the whole concern about the Mishkan becoming Tameh as a result of bringing Korbanot inappropriately or the wrong person, uh, person who's Tameh being Metameh the Mikdash and Yom Kippur that comes to be Metaher the Mishkan, all comes from there. The purpose of the Mishkan in Sefer Vayikra is Korbanot. Let's define it in more basic terms. What's the nature of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Are we listeners or speakers? Are we passive or are we active? Are we re- reactive or are we initiators? The answer is yes. Do we listen to God? Yes, that's Talmud Torah. That's keeping mitzvot. We're listening to God. Do we talk to God? Yes, that's tefillah. Sefer Shmot and Vayikra are not opposites. Sefer Shmot and Vayikra are reflecting two sides of the coin of the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Israel. It starts by making a place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be there, present among us, and give us mitzvot. And our response is, of course, that we attempt to come closer. We bring korbanot because we want to come closer to God. Which, by the way, if you think about it, is an interesting reaction considering that God speaking only to Moshe Rabbeinu and giving mitzvot only to Moshe Rabbeinu 
was a response to B'nai Israel saying, we don't want to be so close to God. But of course, there is that fire that brings us close to God. Okay. So from the perspective of Sefer Shmot, it's about our presence in the Mishkan and God speaking to us. Now take a look at what happens after the revelation, because this will be revealing. After Moshe gets all the mitzvot inside the cloud, Hashem says to him, Moshe Amar, Alei El Adonai Atah Nadav now keep in mind that a very large component of what the Mishkan is, is to replicate and continue the experience of Mamad Arsinai. Following the Ramban. I think it's a compelling argument. So now, what does Hashem say to Moshe after that initial revelation? He says, you come up, you and four other people, Three other people, you, the four of you, Aaron, Nadav, and Avihu, and the 70 elders, and you will all worship from a distance. V'nigash Moshe levado el Adonai, and then who will come up alone all the way? That's Moshe. V'hem lo yigashu. V'am lo yaluimo, which means we've right now set up three camps. The camp of Moshe, the camp of Aaron, Nadav, Avihu, and Shiv, Mishim, Israel, and the camp of everybody else. Divided. Okay, so now Moshe goes out. Remember, we've talked about this numerous times. Moshe tells the people what he said. They say, Naseh. He builds them his bath. They do the Korban. He reads from what he wrote down. Naseh and Ishma. He then tells them, I'm going up to the mountain. Goes up to the mountain. Now, So they do exactly what Hashem said. The 74 of these men go up the hill. By the way, why Shivim? Where does Shivim come from? So the Shivim here, and then there's Shivim, of course, in Balotcha. And the Sanhedrin is Shivim. Shivim seems to be representative of Bnei Israel, Meaning, the Shivim elders. But why are there 70 elders instead of 67? Or some other odd number, which we prefer an odd number. Is it 71? Rabbi Yehuda, Chachamim, Be'inam, Sanhedrin. But why 70? Because 70 seems to be representative of Bnei Israel. When's the first time we hear about Bnei Israel as a clan as opposed to a family? So these are the representatives of Bnei Israel. They're the leaders, but they're representatives. Okay? Now, what do they see? They see God. I don't know what that means. Don't feel bad. Nobody knows what it means. But they see God. And what do they see? Under the legs of God, whatever that may mean, they see a sapphire stone. And the purity of heavens. Right? That's the experience they have. And at that point, Hashem says to Moshe, okay, time for you to come up alone, and I'm going to give you the Torah, the mitzvah. Moshe goes into the cloud 40 days, into the fire 40 days, etc. Now, what is it that they saw? So here I have a scant description. I go to who I always need to go to to get a clearer description, which is Yechezkel. And what does Yechezkel describe in his vision, at the very be- at the beginning of the tenth parak, which is another piece of that vision of the Merkava, I see what seems to be the heavenly throne, sapphire stone, and kruvim. 
Now, roll that back, and that means what did the elders and everybody see here? They saw Kruvim. And by the way, what else happened? Vayochlu vayishtu. I don't know if I take that literally or not, but they all ate and drank. Now let's roll it back. When I start with the Mishkan as a the Shemot model, which is HaKadosh Baruch who is giving us a place for his presence to be manifest and for us to re-experience Mamad Sinai. He says, B'nai Yisrael have to be represented in the Mishkan. They can't come into the Mishkan because it's off limits to non-Kohanim. But they have to be represented in the Mishkan. How are they going to be represented in the Mishkan? Because they're going to play the role of the 70 elders who represented them. And what did these 70 elders do? These 70 elders went into the Kodesh. They went to the second camp. And they saw and they ate. What did they see? They saw Kruvim. So what do we now, what is Moshe now told to tell B'nai Israel? Bring oil and donate the oil. The oil will be your light that you're represent, that is representing you. Your light that you're sending in. And where's that light going to be? Outside of the parochet. The parochet is far more vital than we think. Because the parochet with the kruvim on it represents Mahmoud Har Sinai and represents what people saw at Har Sinai. You're going to stand right outside of the parochet, be looking, your light is going to be shining on those kruvim. And by the way, what's going to be next to you? A shochan by Yuchlu Vayishtu. So the, that area of the Kodesh is that area of the mountain where the Shivim Zigmei Yisrael representing B'nai Yisrael were. And now it will be permanent. That experience now becomes a perennial, a daily experience where the oil that you donate now goes in to light up. By where is the oil? We don't know. We're not told about a menorah here. What happens when you get to Sefer Vayikra and the focus of the Mishkan is now on Korbanot? Suddenly we take the same parsha and add the following. Al ha-menorah ha where is this light going to sit? So the Torah fuses together B'nai Yisrael's presence and the presence of the Kohanim. The Kohanim are the ones in charge of the menorah. And so therefore B'nai Yisrael's presence inside the Mishkan, vicarious presence via the oil that they donate, which then replicates Mamad Har Sinai, is now fused together with the Avodah of the Kohanim which then wrote, revolves around the menorah. Ha-menorah Torah Yerochoto. And these two parashiot here are about what goes on the menorah and what goes on the shochah. The seeing and the eating. And so what's happened essentially is, and this is almost a page out of our broyers, the two different perspectives of texts, is from the perspective of Sefer Shmot, the purpose of the Mishkan is Hashem's presence among us, so He continues speaking to us. We replicate Mamad Har Sinai. And therefore, what do we do? We have the representatives of B'nai Israel, the Shivim Mizin Israel, are right there looking at the Kruvim and feasting their eyes and eating. And so, therefore, what do we have to replicate that in the Kodesh? 
facing the Kruvim that are on the Parochet, we have the light and the Shulchan with the food. Nobody's eating. Shulchan with the food. In the Sefer Vayikra, the Mishkan becomes much more functional in a way of Korbanot. And therefore, we take that same light and now assign it a place which is on top of the menorah, which then becomes associated specifically in Sefer Bamidbar, and hence the last mention of the menorah, becomes specifically assigned to the Kohanim and becomes a part of the Kohanic duties and the Kohanic precinct. And in this way, our representation is not lessened at all by the assignment of Aharon and Nadab and Abihu, Aharon and the Kohanim, to being the functionaries of the Mishkan inside.